I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. Welcome back to this week's episode of The Nero Show. In this week's episode, aerobikes versus climbing bikes. It's time to go shopping. A bunch of new YouTubers have some new sponsorships on board. The UCI are cracking down on pro-only equipment. And Chris tries to sell me on mountain biking. Let's get into it. So you put this topic in the show notes. And I was, I was really frustrated at myself because on one hand, I don't want to discuss this topic. But on the other hand, I'm so excited to discuss this topic. <laughs> and the topic is from each brand, would you buy their aero bike or their all-round bike? Well, can I just say the reason I put this in is last week we were talking about the foil, right? And had these people came back saying, well, like, why, what's wrong with you? Why would you buy the foil? The Addict is the way better bike. Yep. Kind of thing. And I'm like, well, hang on. I completely disagree with you. What, why do I completely disagree with you? And it's not as though it's like a, I'm not aero bikes the whole way through all the different brands. Some of them, it's the alternate bike, the, well, not the climbing bike. I don't know what we call it, the other bike at this point, the, the SL7 version, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So I thought we would go yep. through the brands. Okay. Let's go. All right. So I'm going to kick it off with the Super 6 versus the System 6. Okay. I'm all on vibes on this one. The one I pick has no basis in anything other than what I think would be better. But that's purely just instinct. What's your pick on this one? I am, you're going to be surprised by this, I am going to choose the System 6. Oh, the Ben Healy effect. The Ben Healy effect. Yeah, he's done it. The Ben Healy effect. Yep. Yeah, no, I I kind of think I would do something similar, run a kind of smallish frame, uh, looked at the sort of riding I, I do, the weight kind of thing. I don't think it would be that big an issue for, for me. I really like the components on this bike and I think this is a massive part of what you're going to see me choose here. I like those vision bars. I like that setup. And, yeah, System 6. Okay. I'm going to go Super 6 just because that System 6, in, a, in my size, it should be a large looks like it'd be a bit of a clunker. Yep. It'd be freaking fast on a flat road, yep. but I would not want to ride that on the roads we have in Sydney. So I'm going system six. I think this is going to be really interesting because yep. like most people would have thought you would choose the big fat aero bike and I would choose the lighter bike. But yeah, okay. Yep. Um, next up, TCR versus the Propel. Oh. This year I would go Propel. Looks good. I wouldn't touch that old Propel with a 10-foot pole. That was horrible. But this year, Propel. Yeah, I agree. I'm the same as you. I feel like the Propel probably hasn't leaned far enough. Sorry, yeah, the Propel hasn't leaned too far into the into the aero thing. The TCR just feels like, can I say it? I've, I've, I've loved this bike for decades. I just feel like it's impossible. Yep. Sorry. That's a fair, no Sorry. fair call. Sorry. Although... I would go TCR rim over a new Propel. Well, you have. Oh, I have. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Fact. I would still take, yes. I just, the, the, but the old Propel rim brake, oh. no chance. Oh. That that yeah. bike, that bike almost like destroyed the aero bike category. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. at full stop. Yep. Um, Angus Campbell. Angus Campbell. I remember your orange one. It was absolutely awful. Jeez, it had every bad bit, didn't it? It had those crappy brakes, ugly stem thing that was like angled. Ch- chunky, yep. ugly tubes. Yep. Just ugh. I hadn't worked out the front end thing yet. Mm-hmm. I hadn't worked that out. A bit like the the Cervelo S5 rim brake with the weird things going into the, the top tube. Yeah. All right. 
Next up, here we go. Here we go. The Trek Madone versus the Imonda. Cycling you, to tourists, you're not allowed to vote. What are you? Below. What are you going? Oh, I'm I'm a hole in the hole in the chains in the chain stays rear, rear seat stays all yep. the way. Hundred yep. percent. Same. Yeah. Easy one for that. Yeah. That's. I'm I sorry. think I, I feel like they've just they've almost done a specialized and just the poor Amondo hasn't gotten much love for a few years. I feel like they're really just doing the the Madonna. And I really feel like that back end of that Imonda, and we I ride behind a few of them. It just looks like it just looks slow. Do you know what I mean? Like they look there's big thick, bit thick in the rear end. Yeah, bit thick in the rear end, and it's like it's not a super light bike that Amonda. Yeah, no, for me it's it's the Madone, or have I've written here the Malone. Anyway, (laughs) now yeah, here's here's a controversial. You know, there's probably ten people listening to this. They're gonna know who I'm talking about. Okay. Um, All right, here is. This this we could dive deep into, I reckon. Yep. So it's it's the brand that's doing uh it's the hot brand on YouTube at the moment. Yep. The BMC Team Mach- Team Machine or the Time Machine. This is a weird one because I was straight up Time Machine. That thing looks sick, but no one rides it. The pro even the pro team, I've n- hardly ever see them on the Time Machine. There's got to be something with it. It has a different tire clearance. I because I, I was looking this up yesterday. The Time Machine only takes only takes 28s the team machine takes 30s but it's a weird one so i had a little back look through it and the the bmc vintage the team when they were running so when richie port was on it he was one of the only guys one of the few guys running the team machine in that squad most of them in that vintage of the bike were all choosing the time machine Mm. so i think i'm right in saying like 16, 17, 18, that, that sort of period, the time machine was was the pick of choice. And personally, I had a time machine TM01 time trial bike, oh, which was honestly yeah. one of the fastest bikes I've ever ridden. And it was basically the the road bike, really, the mm-hmm. way it sort of broke down. I, I don't know. I'm a bit like you. That that time machine seems to have just died a death. Have the, the has the team machine it's really hard to say. Quite Maybe quickly. it's one from the from the brand. Maybe they just don't have as much stock in the time machine, so they're just pushing team machine, team machine, team machine. They're getting the pro team to run it. But yeah, that, I, I love the look of that time machine. That's like one of my. It's up there on my list. Yeah, a brand that I don't know a massive amount about the Orbeas. So their splits the Orca and the Orca Aero. Any thoughts on that? Oh, I've only seen the Orca. I can't even think of the regular one. The Orca Aero I've only seen from the GCN videos. Yeah. So I'd have to go with that because the only one I've seen. I'm the same. There doesn't seem to be a massive difference in the weight as well between the two. So I'm happy to, to go that route. Um, Aeroad versus Ultimate. Easiest decision yeah. ever. Yeah. yeah. Aeroad. No, I'm the same. That is meh. I'm mm-hmm. sorry. Sorry, Vegan. I, I, I think maybe it's a good gravel bike. Yep. I don't know. I just don't don't like it. It's, yeah, it's not doing it for me. Yeah. Is it even worth bringing this up? The S5... Versus the R5? Well, I think it's almost now the R5's... Do they even do, they even do it anymore? It? Yeah. It's more like S5 versus the soloist. Uh, I'm going to go... <laughs> I just feel like oh, that's that true. S5... No, yeah, no, it probably is S5 versus soloist. You're yeah. right. That's a, that's a better a better comparison. I just I know from the some of the guys that have the S5 getting different handlebars to come in narrow is really hard to get stock or different stem lengths. So I'm almost going to go the soloist. It looks pretty yeah. good. It looks decent. I'll be honest. I've been influenced. Yeah. On this one, mm-hmm. Jeff's influenced me. Yeah. Yeah. I, I rate it. I rate that soloist. I could get around that definitely. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, it kind of harks a bit back to the to the um, what was the team at the point the uh, Saxo Bank. Sort of squad. I like. I like that kind of look. Yeah. No. For me, I reckon I could get around that. So then I look back at the li- this list and I go, okay, what version of these that had a rim brake model would I still pick over the current 2023 disc model? Ones that come to mind: the S5 with the rim brakes. I would still pick that because that was a pretty modern frame. It was only a few generations ago that they had that. Can I throw? Bianchi Specialisma, I would choose the rim brake version every day of the week over the, I don't even know if they still do that disc brake version of the Specialisma. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, that looks real nice. Also, the Madone rim brake. I still think that was pretty quick. Brakes, possibly, you know the one that had the flaps? Yeah. Um, potentially a pain in the ass to live with, but yeah. I think wind tunnel-wise, that thing, rim brakes, yeah. I yeah. reckon it's probably faster yeah, than yeah. the disc model. Yeah. Go that one. And the other ones, yeah, probably a bit. Nothing really there was, else. There was a disc brake Venge, wasn't there? Yes. Yes. Yep. I would choose the rim brake Venge. I still think Oh, there was no rim brake. There was only the, the last rim brake Venge was the Venge Vias. Ah, yes. Which the, was the brakes didn't work. Yeah. 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 So you probably wouldn't pick that one. <laughs> <laughs> no, thank you. This whole discussion, though, I find is a bit funny because I was looking at the specs on some of these bikes and the brands want to sell the aerodynamics but they don't really care how aero you are when you're actually riding it because they're still specking these bikes with, in my size, the narrowest I'm getting is 42s. Most of the brands are coming with 44. So the Propel, for example, in a size large, comes with 44 centimeter wide bars. What's the point of riding an aero frame if you're driving a bus and And they're still doing it? The flip side of that is, well, from, from my end, I'm on a smaller sized frame so I can get a slightly narrower handlebar but they come with a 90 mil stem. So you have these ridiculous like 40 centimetre bars with a tiny sort of stem option. So it's like you go to all this trouble to talk about how much faster your frame is going to be at 40 kilometres an hour and then you ask us to ride in a massively upright position or essentially ride a bus. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. It's really frustrating. So what – I mean I can't – I went through almost all the bikes here and none of them come with an aero setup to actually be fast when you ride it. So the only ones that stood out for me that we've mentioned here before is that Ribble Ultra, that that hyper-looking bike. That came with very narrow bars. So points to the, like, the bike probably rode pretty badly yeah. just looking at it. Yeah. But they were really thinking about aerodynamics, so that was good. Uh, the Canyon Aeroad has the adjustable, adjustable ones. width. But I think the, the, the narrowest it goes is 39. And then it goes out to like a 42, 43. So that's, I mean, points for the adjustability, but it's not super narrow. And then the factor, um, you can just pick the bar stem when you order it. Are we completely out of the loop here? Or or like, okay, by that I mean us wanting sort of 38, 40 centimetre bars on our bike. Are we in the massive minority here? Or have the bike industry just completely lost the plot here i sort of feel like this is such an easy like an easy fix it's an easy fix Mm -hmm. but yet it's really really hard to get what we want but what we want may be just so niche i don't don't know like is i mean i'm operating in a small circle but for most of the riders i coach they're all wanting or have narrow bars Uh, i can't help but think maybe they've just already produced thousands and thousands of the wider bars so yeah. they're just getting through stock yeah but i don't know anyone that wants 44 centimeter wide bars no i know and it's it's like <laughs> we all those bikes we've talked about are obviously the big flagship fellas so they're up there fifteen, sixteen thousand dollars. if you're spending that kind of money you've probably done a little bit of research into the benefits of your frame mm-hmm. it just seems like oh uh, yeah maybe you're right maybe it's just a stock over over light but it's only Carbon bars, because they're churning those out in China every I, three weeks. I was chatting, yeah. I was chatting to Ryan. And he he's gone full full tinfoil hat saying oh they're leaving that up their sleeve. So the, you know the SLA oh, will like come it. out and it'll it'll be th- max bar with thirty eights. Most will come with thirty sixes, so they can save five watts well, off the wind tunnel. That's, <laughs> that's genius. Like that's literally what Trek have done. Trek have released the Madone and said it's so much faster because of the new position you can put the rider in. Yeah. So we can they can now just do that for the next decade and just go, we, we've made you 5% faster because the bars are a centimetre narrow and this can slowly move us in. Mm. I like that. That could have been dropped quite happily into unresearched mm-hmm. facts. But maybe, uh, maybe it's research. I feel like, I like this that. is one we need to get um, for Grant when he comes on. He'll have some insight into the shops as to, wh- okay, why are we still getting 44s? This, he might have a different take on it. Because you asked him in our last chat, like, what happens in this scenario? Like, ultimately, the bike shop kind of seems like is the loser in this because they then have to go source the aftermarket mm-hmm. giant bar and stem, bring that in there. They're holding like a, a 100 mil and 44 centimetre bar stem and... Great. Now, what are you going to do yeah. with this? Which isn't even brand new in box. Yeah. 
um, once it's been installed on the bike. Yeah. yeah. So that's it's not in the shop's favor either. Last one, just quickly on the versus. Yep. Titanium versus steel. If you were, if you were, if you got no interest in going that I've route, I've got no insight. I'm going to say titanium because it seems like that's the more high performance route. But I'm not basing that on anything other than what I've seen for yeah. Stuff no, I just I kind of feel like it's an interesting one because that's that's people choose that when they go the custom route. Like that's basically what you're choosing between is steel versus titanium. Obviously, I've had a little bit of experience on the titanium one. I'd actually, I don't know. I kind of feel like I'd go full old school and go the go the steel bike. But your your mosaic was. Mm. I was interested when you got that. I, was, I could see myself going and doing an 80-kilometer bobbin head loop on a titanium bike. Correct. Looked good. Yeah. But I suppose it's that thing of like if – yeah, if okay. I should re- say this another way. If I was just going to have one bike, it would definitely be a titanium bike. Full stop. Whoa, whoa, whoa. What, you mean like – If I had to choose. Between steel and titanium? Yes. Or overall, if you no, had no, no. one single bike. If I had one single. So, if, so, so I'll say that. Yeah. Okay. Oh, you're ditching carbon. No. Hot no, tape. Okay. No, no, I'm not ditching carbon. Right. But if I, I would happily, I would ditch carbon for titanium. I wouldn't ditch carbon for steel. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. So I have my rocket ship N01 bike, which I use in crits. Mm-hmm. If I went another route, I would go steel. As a second steel. bike. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yep. Yep. Definitely. see that. Yeah. Okay. These, these are the problems we, we deal with here on the show. <laughs> I was going to say, because um, when you had that mosaic and the fact that you were like, what's okay, at a crit, you might notice the difference, but in most of my riding, it's much of a muchness. Yes, 100%. Um, but you don't necessarily feel that with the NS01. You feel like that's cut above. Ooh, can we go there? Yeah, we can go there. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah, I think so. Have you figured what... So you do feel it's faster, right, for, the, for everyone listening? Because you've told me you feel like it's a a good bit quicker i have not sat them yeah i mean i I, my training is very similar you know this right i I do a very similar set of training stuff similar climbs similar efforts one of the ones i do is an hour or a 40 minute um medium intensity session at centennial park which is kind of a 300 watt thing for me it's a sweet sweet spot it's a sweet spot effort right and, you know, we've moved into winter-ish conditions. It's slightly slower, you would potentially argue, at this point of the year. Mm-hmm. But anyway, I'll, the bike now doing those sessions averages over 40 k's an hour. I did one last night. It averaged over 40 k's an hour. Yep. Okay. On the factor with the black ink wheels, it averaged 38. <laughs> oh, shit. Okay. Yeah. Now, <clears throat> I don't know... It didn't feel slow, the factor at that particular time. I did a quick – I didn't do full DC Rainmaker, spec them up next to each other and break them all down, mm-hmm. but I looked at about five of those sessions from last year on the factor and I've done five of them on the N01. And, yeah, they're consistently faster. Mm-hmm. There's millions of reasons this could be the case. I honestly think one of the biggest ones is I have Conti tyres on these wheels. That was a big one. I yeah. honestly do. Like I had the Pirelli, uh, yeah, I had the Pirellis on the black ink wheels. The wheels are kind of similar. They were 60 mil. These are a 60 and a 50. Position's pretty similar. Maybe it's a little bit more aggressive. Um, but, yeah, I, I do feel like over that just pure straight line speed that it is it is a bit faster. Interesting, yeah. It's kind of, I mean, two kil- kilometres an hour sounds like a lot and maybe part of that is in the tyres. But, it's an interesting one because you haven't necessarily tested it. No. But when – I mean, I've had other riders as well say something, I'm a new bike and I'm, I'm a, my average is a bit slower. And I kind of trust that. If you're doing the same rides, you can feel when something's a bit quicker. Yep. And I would say – I, I know it would be easy to dismiss that and say, well, the conditions are different and blah, blah, blah. But I, I trust you. You say, like, oh, no, it's a bit faster in Centennial Park at the same effort. I I back that to be true. And if, but if you, I mean, I haven't climbed much on it at all, so I, I'd be interested to see how it does that. But it, it is a more aero frame. I mean, that's that's a fact. It's got a that seat tube is a more shaped tube. I don't know if there's much in that, <laughs> but yeah, I don't, I don't it's know. A, it's a weird one, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, it could be the power meters as well. But then, <laughs> but then I kind of know the effort. It's the same effort level. Yeah, yeah. I kind of know the effort. So yeah, it, that has it has surprised me. Mm. Yeah. Definitely. 
Is it fr- is that are you more frustrated or excited that it's quick? Oh, definitely excited. Okay, hundred percent. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I well, we have this chat a little. Yeah, you got to be racking your brain, going, "Well, is it my? Is it am I yeah. in a better position?" Because it's like the frame's not making you two no. k an hour faster. No. I mean, the tires is a straight up rolling resistance gain. So there's that. Is that giving you an extra one and a half two k an hour? Doubt it. Don't know. Yeah, and I'm running the and, and I kind of take away from the aero gains of the of the frame by putting like the phone mount on the front and like that light mount thing. Like I'm soaking up watts, and which I did on the factor as well. Mm. So it's <laughs> like, yeah, but I still can't get over it because the conditions at this time of year are slow in there. They are. You get that sort of southerly southwester, which does slow your laps up. Mm-hmm. Um, and cold temperatures. And it's colder temperatures. Yeah. So, no, it's it's certainly been a same same head unit. So it's not like that's that can sometimes sort of change a little bit, I've noticed. Um, but, yeah. Interesting. I don't know. Yeah. All right, let's keep chatting about bikes, Jessica. A few fellow YouTubers have made some sponsorship announcements recently. Um, anyone sort of pop up that interested yourself? The Arguably the biggest one was Cam Nichols. Biggest one. He's with BMC now. So he was over at the factory last year and now he's riding a BMC. He's going over and doing some events over um, that BMC support. And, yeah, he's a, a sponsored uh, athlete now. It's cool. Yeah, awesome. Yeah. Uh, Alex Dowsett specialized. No surprise there. I think we could all probably see that coming from a mile away. The interesting one with the Dowsett thing, though, is that he's not on an S-Works. So they've put him on an okay. SL7 and he's on the expert model. So it's, it's not S-Works on the side of the frame. It's just specialized. And I think it's an Ultegra group set. Um, and he, a few of the comments on the Instagram post he put up in the YouTube video were like, oh, they didn't fork out for the S-Works. Haha. <laughs> like kind of like giving him a bit of shit. But I thought that was really good of specialized UK to not put him on the top model. To, to, to kind of push the mid-range mid-range model, I'm going to give them kudos for that. I like that. Not yep. everyone – I mean, the S-Works sell. It's an S-Works. Why not show the the special, the, the more value – I say that with <laughs> through painful breath yep. – um, the more value-oriented option being pushed by like an influencer. I like it. Yep. And then the final one here, uh, Cycling Tattooist with – Trek. Now, that's not a direct relationship with Trek. He's going through a bike shop in Spain. Sorry, I can't remember the name of the shop. I should probably have said it. Um, but yeah, he's on a on a Trek Mondo. Correct. Trek and Mondo, yes. uh, which is which is awesome. And um, Prime components are supporting him as well. So he's on the Prime wheels. Cool. So yeah, lots of yeah, uh, awesome. changes in the yeah. space. That's that's absolutely fantastic, and it's it's cool that brands are seeing like the value in getting behind some of these guys. I think uh, I'm a bit like you. I think the, the cam one is awesome. Like that's, he's, you know, okay. So well deserved from the perspective of like the reach that the guy has absolutely fantastic. I don't have any concern in terms of like, cause I know people were sort of going, Oh, how's that going to affect your reviews all this kind of stuff. I don't particularly think that's that, relevant i think he'll still be able to talk about elves or whoever it might be and still be very very good about because he the way he breaks stuff down is is damn good right bmc will potentially like send him to some events maybe some behind the scenes stuff all that kind of thing but like maybe we should talk to cam about it but you know he's got a really successful coaching business that's you know kicking goals i just kind of feel like this would be Kind of having dealt with sponsors in the team and stuff in the past, it's like it'd be hard to keep them happy, quote unquote, whilst also doing what is your bread and butter stuff and what people really like on his channel, which is, you know, the bike fit stuff, the breakdowns of the the reviews. I mean, maybe he'll incorporate the BMC into his training stuff that he's been doing. I know he was messaging me and he's like, we're doing Grafton, doing Vrel next year. We're, that's you're, <laughs> I'm holding you to that. You're definitely coming and doing that. But so maybe he does a race video for that. But I just feel like, yeah, it's it's a tough, it's a good on him. Yeah, uh, yeah. From uh, if you're thinking of his 
I mean, it is, and it is. If you're thinking of his YouTube channel as a business, this is a whole other arm that's just grown now, which would be supporting that partnership. Um, and especially when it seemed like he's already pretty busy with a uh, big channel, so that's running in and of itself, um, which he says he's still going to do those sorts of videos, which I believe I don't mm, I don't see why BMC would be like, no, nah, don't do that anymore. And then yeah. his channel just, that, that doesn't make any sense. Yeah. So he, he'll still do that stuff. The the Road Cycling Academy um, business, he'll still keep keep pushing that. And now, yeah, it's a big, that's a, yeah, it's a lot of work on his, maybe, on his plate. Maybe we're underselling it. Like, okay, so from my perspective and from like, yeah, 100% from my perspective, if this is really successful for BMC, this is fantastic for for us, basically. If BMC can, you know, go to some meeting with Trek next year and go, Jesus, I tell you what, this we've got this Cam Nichols guy. He is like just it's blowing up for us. Mm. That's so good for, for YouTube. And maybe this is the this is the thing that ticks ticks YouTube into the into the mainstream when it comes to these these brands. Hopefully. No pressure, Cam. It's just an no interesting pressure. it's an interesting one as well because he's not your typical nothing obviously nothing against him. It's just he's not your typical influencer. Mm. You know? He's not what Francis I mean, Cade. Mm. He's not a, a vegan. Mm. So the push having him on the bike, it's how's that gonna I'm it's just I gonna be a fascinating going. one to watch. It's is it just a soft sell in his videos where he's on the product, but he's he's not, you know, he's not that influencer type that's in, in the classical sense. So ha, yeah, it's just I'm fascinated just from the marketing of I it. I see what you mean. Like, you know, for for vegan, it's obvious for Canyon. Yeah. Vegan's gonna go do um Gravel Loco and um, Leadville, and maybe he's not going to do Leadville. Um, what's the big one? Uh, God, <laughs> uh, Unbound. Unbound. Sorry. And you know he's going to make a video about it, and the canyon will be all in there, and he doesn't have to say anything about the canyon because it'll be in the video. That's not really sort of Cam's jam at mm. the moment. Mm-hmm. Maybe it will be. You know. Mm-hmm. So yeah, cool. Um, that's a good chat. Enjoyed that actually. I like having chats about other YouTubers. <laughs> um. Just quickly on the Dowsett one, um, like I've got no – I don't need to premise it, but, you know, good on him, fantastic. But I think the pushback, and you did see a little bit of that in the comments, was based on how predictable this was from the the video that he did that we commented or you commented on, so you don't have to say anything. I'll, I'll do <laughs> this. I'll do this Done one. All right. um, and, again, it's not like – I don't think this is necessarily his fault, but – it comes and we fall into this trap all the time, right? And the title of his video and like the the thumbnail of the video is the whole like unbiased opinion. You know, this is this is going to be this massive expose into the pro peloton, and that video wasn't. It was just warm tea discussion of general generic things that these brands do, right? Which which was perfectly fine, you know. And you kind of feel like. If he'd titled the video, um, you know, discussion about current bikes, you know, would what? all be I'm fine. I'm going to go in harder than that. It wasn't fine. It's bordering on fraud mm. to say that it's unbiased, unsponsored, and then not on a month later you come out sponsored by. Spe- That's not unbiased and unsponsored. Yep. It's not a big deal. It's not like it's a storm in a teacup kind of thing. But it is. You don't do that. It's you. It's we. We. The we're trying to move. We've we already had that done, beaten down to death through the traditional media, doing paid for reviews or sponsored content and just crap like that. That's not objective. Then the YouTube space is somewhere people can go and more and more get a fair opinion on things. You can't come and do that these in this last few years it's just against the whole grain of everything that youtube's about but the problem is and we face this every week when we think of a title for this show we need something that's going to get someone to click right and we can see it we can see it from week to week if we just put something up that's like oh pleasant discussion about training like no one will watch whereas you know if it's you know ex Insert the many titles that we have <laughs> tried to do, which, you know, we, we have this exact discussion every week. We're like, oh, I don't want it to be too clickbaity. But then if people aren't clicking on it, you start reverting to a clickbaity thing. And I think what I said was, how can you make it interesting 
without being clickbaity or cringe, but still and not devalue the discussion, but still make it interesting enough that it's going to grab someone's attention. Yeah. It's like a very difficult. It's it is difficult, and like we're operating at a at a low level in terms of the the audience and the reach. And I'm not going to just shit on them all the time. It's been weeks since I have done it. But it really does bug me that the biggest conglomerate there is on this platform, GCN, do clickbait things as well. They don't need to. They've got they've got millions and millions of subscribers. You don't need to plaster a photo of Chris Froome, like Chris Froome, and underneath it have, I think it was like... Chris Froome's tell-all interview, like, oh. and it was this, like, oh my god, he's gonna like talk about the TUEs and everything, and it was like, what's your favorite race? Oh, what do you drink after it? Was this recent? I was about a month or two ago. Oh, it was okay. when he was over in um, Africa. Racing. Oh right, yeah. Okay, and it was just, it was like, are you joking me? Uh. Like, and when you've got the biggest crowd out there, or the biggest, yeah institution doing the clickbaity stuff like we almost have to as well so that's my almost my long way of sort of defending alex but yeah <laughs> i know yeah uh, uci did a press release the other day interesting one so for the tour de france and the tour de france femme they're going to introduce a new equipment checking protocol let me talk you through it so what they're going to do uh teams uh, from a month before the tour, have to register all their equipment they're going to use with the UCI. The UCI check that it's within the regulations. Then at the tour, before it starts, all the equipment... Uh, actually, no, sorry. The frames will be checked by a commissaire to make sure it complies with the UCI rules. It will then be tagged with an RFID chip so that the commissaires can come around before every stage, make sure the frame is tagged so that the teams are only using frames that have been checked by the commissaire. So what this is trying to do is make sure that teams aren't using equipment that doesn't follow the UCI rules around, well, being available to the public or um, the, that's the main one, isn't it? That the, the, the frame, the equipment you have, something along the lines of the equipment you have to use needs to be available to the public in the year that it's used um, for sale. And it seems like that's, teams have been absolutely taking the piss with that rule. I mean, we know so much stuff that you cannot buy, especially, I mean, the stuff on the track is like another level. So no one's using the proprietary stuff they're running on the track. On the road, it's the same. There's been rumors floating around that, you know, teams use this and that and it's different equipment. We've even seen it with um, Chris Froome's bike, for example, and they're weighing it in that Ride Media video and his size 56 is 6.8 kilos and yours, same spec, size 52 is 7.3. And you're going... <laughs> do the maths something doesn't add up so i'm going to give now big shout out to the uci for that i like this are there commissaires going to be able to have the scrutiny of the equipment to know what's a proprietary thing and what's available to the mass public i don't know i just like that they are trying to do something about it fake news fake news fake news okay 100 percent. tell us fake news so much grey here that it's not only going to be impossible to enforce, it's that there's there's no way of even taking it back to what meets the UCI level. So, okay, there's, there's obvious things that you can pick up here, which will be the 3D printed stuff that's all over the front of time trial bars. Yep. Whatever, I don't give a shit, all right? Okay. The Chris Room thing that you referenced, that purely comes down to, yeah, yeah, okay. It purely comes down to this thing of, yes, it probably was of Ostrovam from an Ostrovam mould built somewhere in a factory somewhere that was probably built specially for Chris. And when I say built specially, you know, literally someone probably pieced and laid that carbon down. And what did they do to make it special? They probably put less layers of carbon in certain areas to shave grams off. Now, that therefore reduces the overall weight of the bike and, you know, maybe this is where the grey is, right? It's It probably still adheres to a UCI, um, uh, UCI policy to, to pass that, pass that indication. It doesn't. Well, see that... Wow, what level of detail? 
I mean, if the, the UCI rules isn't, it's the same. It's the same bike. And to me, well, I guess that's where the rules come in. To me, the bike is how the frames laid up. If you're using a different layup, it's a different bike. It'll be the same, yeah. Even so, though it's the same mold, what's the UCI approval process? Is it for the mold or for the layup? Crap. It's <laughs> okay. as if they're going to be sitting, there, sitting yeah. there in a factory going, no, 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 no. No, that one that you built for Chris, you put 16 layers of around the head chip and you only put seven there. That's That doesn't adhere to... So there's the way the UCI thing works, right, that they have stress tests that they put. They put it in that stupid jig, right? It's one mm. of the things and they do the stress testing on it and that's how you pass the UCI thing. You can eat, you will be able to. So they have a much broader um, room for error when it comes to the stuff that they sell to the public because obviously you got massive, big fatty riding it and little skinny dude riding. It. You need to cover the bases of all these different people when you're building it, just especially for for Chris Froome. You don't have to cover all those bases, so you can kind of be a little bit more um, interesting around the edges. With I, this is a long way of me saying yeah. that sure this will pick out some of the, the 3D printed stuff, but it won't stop the thing which really shits me, which is the if you go buy a SL7 Canyon Arrow Road, it's not the one that Matthew Vanderpoel rode. It's just not, full stop. And, but, and here's, here's the thing. It's always been that way. It's always been like Matt Pantani had his own frames built by a, a guy, a totally different guy who wasn't the person whose name was on the... The frame, like this is cycling. This is the, the way it's been operating for, for decades. My voice will now drop down. I do feel like this is at least somewhere getting close to them cracking down. I don't, it sounds like you don't care. Do you oh, no, care I care. that a pro it's is riding 100%. a special frame? Oh, no, massively. Okay. Massively shits me. Totally. It's shit. like almost, again, it's like fraud level mm -hmm. to be like, buy this bike, he rides it, and he's on a totally different layer. Yep. So oh. it's, it's better than doing what they do now, which is basically eyeball test it. Oh, it looks similar. You're all good. Is there more? I mean, yeah. Could they scan the frames to, to, to know what the layup is? And do probably, are they going to do that? I doubt it. I like that they're at least acknowledging that this rule is being absolutely taken advantage of left, right, and center. And they're doing, trying to do something about Mate, it. If they enforce this game change, I'm fully support it. Um, a Kool-Aid drinking supporter of this rule. Absolutely. But if you're going to tell me that the UCI are going to be scanning Remco's bike before the tour and go, <laughs> oh, no, 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 sorry, that layup's not quite as thick as the one that uh, Jesse called Grant sells over in Florida. No, no, we're going to pull you out of this race. It's not going to happen. But, yeah, I, I – and this is kind of comes to this thing, like I feel like some of these, these are like rules that they – come up with are almost to like shut people like you up because they're like, they'll just go back to, oh, no, we've got that rule. Mm. Yeah, we it's like the anti-doping chat. Yeah. Oh, no, they're on the biological passport. No yeah. one can dope yeah. anymore. 100%. All right. Okay. I'm so just a, I'm a, I'm a naive little kid anyway. No, I, I, I acknowledge there's still obvious ways that that's not going to crack down, but I, I, I pats on the back for them for, for doing it. It's, it's funny thing, this like skirting of the equipment rules because it's, you don't hear much about it. Mm. Clearly, it seems like it's common, at least from some of the stuff we've heard. And I've seen people pointed out, like um, Durian Ryder pointed out that the some in some of he's said in some photos he's seen that they use a different uh, um, sleeve inside the steerer tube to make it stiffer. So there, I've, there's little scrapes of rumors, but it never really gets talked about that much. And I'd love to know how how widespread it is. If there were some good cycling journalists that could really push some buttons and 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 push the boundaries and go and find out some stuff, I'd I'd love to see a, an expose on it. Mm, funny there was an independently funded journalist collective that could go in and, and do such a thing. That had, yeah, had access to the bikes and mm. could really go and I mean the teams are, you'd piss the you'd never get near yeah. a bike again. You'd totally <laughs> End your reputation. Be, yeah, be a good article. Be, you'd, yeah. You'd, you'd have a good reputation with the public. Uh, other thing as well, equipment-wise, I can probably point out, is uh, Sudal Quickstep are on wet tyres. That was spotted. So I'll, we'll, I'll send you the Instagram reel. Some, some, a guy posted Instagram reel with it. Yeah, uh, Remco's riding wets. You That's said it called. last week. That That's was a called. very good Chris Miller yeah. call. They're yeah. doing it. It's, it's so... Okay, I... 
Can we kind of move this potentially into the Giro then? Yeah, I reckon. Because I, I do have some, I don't know, it's an equipment take or whatever it might be, but, you know, we've spent basically 40 minutes talking about bikes and maybe a few little bits of other pieces around that. But <laughs> Just because it's fun, not because it's, it's really fun. Nice. right? Yeah, <laughs> no other reason. But I think the Giro showed that or has shown so far that, the kit that these guys are wearing in those conditions massively matters and impacts the race dramatically. And you've seen it on those cold, freezing cold stages where the teams... So what I'm really referring to are those, not necessarily the, the aero stuff, like the dry sort of thing. I'm talking about the protection in, the, in these really bad conditions. Mm -hmm. And so teams operate this in, in three different ways, okay? The first is their own kit manufacturer makes a really, really good Gabba-style jacket, okay? Now, for those of you who don't know what a Gabba is, I'll put a couple of links to it, but it's essentially a waterproof and thermal piece of kit, which mm -hmm. does keep you essentially warm and dry as much as, as much as possible, right? So option one is the team has that. Option two is the team's... Kit provider doesn't make that, but they let them, and this is basically all the French teams um, and most of the Belgian teams, let them black out the logo of the said, pretty much a Castelli one for, for want of a, be of a better brand, but that's the mainstream one. Mm -hmm. Put that on and away they go. They're all happy. Option three is the kit manufacturer does make a version which is shit, and forces them to use the shit version. And it doesn't take a genius to look at the back of the peloton in the last few stages of this to have a look at which kit manufacturers are forcing them to wear those 1980s plastic bag flapathons mm -hmm. that there have been crashes. And I can tell you right now that a lot of them have been caused by completely frozen riders, mm. which... So that's the, that's the alternative. If you don't have a gabber, you're running just the flappy rain cape. The flappy rain cape. That's it. Okay. Yeah. Right. So it's it's pretty obvious to see. Um, the interview with um, not Trenton, the Demarki, was it? The Jaco Alula rider. Yep. So he had what looked like their kit branded one, but it wasn't actually one. It was a Castelli one. And he had a pretty good day out. Jaco have ridden pretty well through this, these conditions mm -hmm. without an actual Gabba style jersey in their arsenal, I suppose. There are other teams that have been forced to run the flappy 80s one and it matters. Like I just feel like the the buyer racer one, it's not great. Mm. It's not great. What's the difference? I'm uh, Sorry, I, I don't quite understand because I don't have a Gabba, but I have a winter, a winter jacket, which is super warm, almost mm -hmm. way too hot. Does that not work because it just gets filled with water? Why yeah, wouldn't they just run a, a, a regular, just a DHB winter jacket? Because they're warm, aren't they? Uh, it's it's, it's the rain. It's okay. it's the rain and you're up at freezing. And yeah. so then as soon as that rain gets into your body at freezing, your body's got nothing. There has been so many crashes. Like, <laughs> what? Yep. I, I, I honestly I'd think love this to is have a, a... Okay, that's a good... T I like that that's you're adding some in here because I... I I'm kind of looking at this going, this sport's a joke now. Every race I put on, even the other one that's on the four days of Dunkirk or whatever it's called, it's, there's been crash every sprint stage finish. Then the Giro, more Teo Gagenhardt's gone, crash. Um, okay. Tire thing. It looks like there are some teams on wet tires. The specialized teams have a wet tire. That's cool. They're getting cold. Less grip. Can't feel your hands and you bin it slide out but there's got to be more why are we crashing so why are they crashing so much a lot of people were talking also about just the 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 state of euro roads which are are slippery in those conditions yeah but yeah i, I, but I don't know changed. it's 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 yeah it's been really disappointing it's uh, combine that with oh can i just quickly on the, the giro this whole like conspiracy theory around the coronavirus stuff Oh, Fuck yes. Off. Oh, let's, yeah. Well, let's Fuck get into off. that. That's the other thing. Like, yeah. are you serious? Like, 
We do with this sport where riders are basically treated like trash. In fact, that was kind of how I was going to link into this because mm. they are. Like there's the whole stage where, you know, oh, we're not going to race it, we're not going to race it. And they ended up racing it and half the peloton fall, fell over because they're bike racers. Like they just go out, they treat themselves like trash, they're smashing themselves about the place, bashing into brick walls, the rest of it. And then the moment one of them gets an illness, like a genuine illness, and pulls out, we all turn around and go, oh, toughen up. Mm. Or worse, it's oh, it's, it's hiding it for something else. <laughs> it's, it, the... The level, it's, I had COVID and I didn't get that sick. Therefore, Remco shouldn't, like, the guy's sick as a dog. Like, he's got the flu. Of course he's going to pull out. This whole, just because you had COVID and you weren't that sick, doesn't mean people with COVID aren't getting sick. Like, of course you get COVID, you're sick, you're going to pull out. That doesn't mean it's not some cover for doping or, I don't understand. yeah, what's the yeah? And you don't even need to pull out. Like, okay, if you t- if you tested positive and you had some tiny viral load and you didn't get sick, continue on. But the people which we saw out, last year at the tour. Yeah, but the people pulling out are sick. Mm. I mean, Remco won that time trial by one second. He would have put thirty seconds into everyone if he was healthy. Like he was clearly sick. I just find cycling fans can it's, be so weird. Yeah. Like so almost contradict themselves in, in the same stage a lot of the time. But um, it's like using it's using what's happened to affirm some theory they have. Like oh, the vaccine doesn't work, therefore uh, or all these riders are getting sick, therefore it kind of backs up my idea that the vaccines... I mean, you can have a go... I mean, the vaccines clearly oh. don't stop it, but the, the, the anti-vax side of people... Not anti-vax, I hate that word, but the, the people that were sceptical of the COVID vaccine see COVID still ripping through the peloton and they're like, yes, this vindicates me, I'm right. Oh, gotcha. Or um, you know, even the slightly more niche one, but um, like riders are sort of doping and, and then, oh, it's a fake COVID positive to leave because you had like that conspiracy. It's just, you know, how about they got COVID... And they were sick, so they're not going to continue in the hardest physical test <laughs> on one of the hardest physical tests on earth. Like, yeah. Yeah. It's no, it's, yeah, for, for me, the whole, and I have been to the Giro. I'm a big fan of the Giro. But if I was a well-paid rider, I, this has kind of been a bit of a shit show. I know that you can't do much about the weather, but it just does seem like even the race director having a sook about Remco pulling out and that he didn't tell him in time. I'm like, what are you talking about? Like, he's, <laughs> he's it's not our job to sponsor you. I just yeah. kind of feel like it's, it's, yeah, it hasn't, the Jira hasn't left a good taste in anyone's mouth this year. Yeah, so the other one as well is, is if you've got a rider that's sick, whether it's COVID or not, you don't want them mingling around all your other riders and then your entire team's out. So if someone has any symptoms of being sick, you get, Get rid of them, yeah. regardless of what the virus is. Yeah. Didn't we all? We all knew this pre-COVID. We all knew this, and now everyone's gone insane and can't understand basics of health. It's so weird. Uh, uh, my last little piece on the Giro was just: Have you followed the Giro Twitter feed? Really? Is it four-year-old operating? <laughs> what are they doing? It's like it's like the shit banter that you would have with. Like your your mates, but it's not funny. But it's the official Twitter page. Like they oh. were in this like weird Twitter war about helicopters at one stage, where it wasn't a war. It was like the the Giro Twitter page was posting like gifs of helicopters <laughs> and then noises of helicopters, and it bobs into other people's conversation with just weird, inappropriate comments. Oh, good. I don't know. I'll, I'll put some of them nice. up and, and find them, but I just felt like, is this a meme account or the official account that I'm following? My last quick thing on road cycling, for all you up-and-coming road cyclists, I'm looking at you, that shit going on in the Giro, that shit going on in Dunkirk, that's your job. It's not flapping about Girona. <laughs> you have to like doing that stuff every day. Just remember that. Just I just want to kind of say that because I feel like that gets lost. That's cool. your job, like the, liking that shit. 
Um, all right, speaking of liking stuff, I'm going to sell you on mountain biking. <laughs> so, right, okay. I have been influenced again. I'm very easily influenced. I watched, I did, I watched the XCO first round of the World Cup over okay. the weekend. Um, coverage was awesome. We had like drones, follow cars. It looked sexy. It looked so cool. Um, the equipment looked shit hot. And the riders, I think it is for me, like Pidcock makes a massive difference here because, yep, it makes it all relevant to me. And so I'm there going, oh, look, my van pole's going to start riding this. I absolutely loved it. The crowds were nuts. Um, yeah, I'm just going to come out and say it. I want to buy a mountain bike. Oh, my God. I want to buy a mountain Where bike. Where are you going to ride it? Let's not worry about the details. <laughs> Let's not worry about the details. I just I saw these guys doing their thing and I'm like, you know what? Get around this. I'm annoyed that you brought this up because I also had – I watched the highlights on GCN – uh, of the short track and the cross country, the longer one, whatever that's called. Um, and it didn't fit my narrative because Pidcock's doing really well. And I was sort of, I called him out. He once tried to be Yankee. And then he did his usual thing where he crashes. And I was like, oh, I'm on for one here. That's going to be his only result of the year. And I'm going to be vindicated. I'm going to come out in October and claim victory. And now he's gone and towed up. The mountain bike stuff. And I'm like, ah, it doesn't fit my my narrative for the year. So thanks, Tom, for ruining that. Uh, it looked, yeah, it was entertaining. The short track one's weird. It's, it's weird. like a crit. It's yeah, a crit. It's a dirt crit. Don't get that. Yeah. 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 Um, no, the Pidcock thing, like for me, um, I feel like he's he's adding as much value as a Garrett Thomas, if not more at this point. Like if you look at a brand like Pinarello, like he's your poster child. But the bikes look cool, don't you reckon? Like I looked at those bikes. I've never looked at a mountain bike before and gone, <laughs> that looks cool. I don't know. They looked cool. You got baggy shorts now. and Oh, no, I'd still run the Lycra. Okay. Still run the Lycra. Yeah. No, I don't know. I'd, let's not worry about the details of where I'm riding <laughs> this just yet. Um, but I think a dual suspension, I was, I, was, I was getting down with the lingo on it. Dually. You had, you had a mountain bike. Yeah. Well, you, yeah. <laughs> Sold it. But the Devel, the Devel uh, didn't quite, didn't fill my needs. Okay. Yeah, no, I'm yeah. too hardcore for that. I will give it credit for something, and that's the the Olympics froth. Um, just my sort of background, I froth the Olympics. So the fact that mountain bike is more meaningful oh, at the Olympics, mm. I'm like, it's epic the road at the olympics still a massive deal but not as big so yeah when come olympics time then yeah i'll buy in because it's you know that's yeah, like take. making yeah. someone's in life yeah. if they can do that that's a bit like triathlon for me it's yeah. it's hard to to yeah. like i that was a world cup so it wasn't a world championships so that's like there's obviously a series of world cups and then there'll be like a winner of the world cup and then that's different to the winner of the world championships because it would going to be different to the winner of the Olympics. So, yeah, it is it is hard to probably get, but then again, try and follow road cycling and work out sort of what's relevant across the across the realm. But, yeah, totally agree. Olympic froth is the highest form of froth. Okay, re- moving on to unresearched facts. I only have one for you this week. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Uber eats <laughs> riders. <laughs> Uber eats riders. Have the big topics. improved relationships between cyclists and everyone else in general? Hear me out. Here's my theory. Okay. So Uber Eats riders ride like clowns, most of them. Uh, whatever, up footpaths, run red lights, sometimes on stupid roads, et cetera, et cetera. We've all seen it. But when the average motorist sees it, I don't feel they get the same anger as seeing Jesse Coyle run a red light or something like that in Lycra, okay? Mm-hmm. Because, and I, I actually don't know the actual mindset behind it, but it's not that they um, have placed an Uber Eats order themselves that day, but they kind of, there's some connection there between, well, I've, I've, used Uber Eats and I like it when my sushi arrives on time or relatively on time and it annoys me when it's not there. Or well, this guy's 
kind of doing that as well. Eh, fuck it. Let him, mm. let him run that. Yep. Don't care. And I feel like it just – there's enough of them now, especially like in full metro CBD areas, that they're kind of running around all over the place and everyone's just like, you know, kind of got used to it. And I feel on the road that I cop less because I lane filter through the city. Mm-hmm. Hate down below, whatever I do, a lane filter. I cop way less shit for that. Yeah. Okay. I got Fact. I got two things on that. Firstly, I I think they get away with a lot more because well, firstly they're working, so mm-hmm. people are like, well, they're trying to earn a buck. Mm-hmm. Whereas seeing us riding around is like, oh, look at this bloke at one p.m. on a Tuesday mm-hmm. riding around is like, oh, what a dickhead. Yep. So they get off with that, but also for everyone that's almost been run over on a footpath by a e-bike rider, we're like, oh, look at these orderly fashion on the road. We we now we're a, we're not a pest at all. We're like saints compared to some of these delivery drivers. So in comparison, they're doing us a favor by being so dangerous. Yes, it's, it's a different different take than mine. Mm-hmm. Different take than mine. But um, uh, you're saying that that you, people are more accustomed to just having bikes chopping around left, right, and center. Just seeing basically seeing more bikes and seeing more bikes doing stupid shit okay. really is kind of just going oh, makes no, my like, stupid shit not look as bad there you go there you go there okay you go. basically yeah. so the, and yeah that's fact that's it's a fact certified nero certified fact stamp done all right last week we had a bit of crit beef which should have blew up um yeah so we'll just quickly have a bit of a chat about it um so justin did reach out to me we quickly talked about the crash uh, he clarified with me that the guy in the blue did Go on and crash, which is one of the questions that we asked. Yep. All good. Um, and then the kind of where it went from there got sort of a bit weird with him criticizing Jeff. I will say if you're gonna criticize someone, Jeff's not you not your man. Like <laughs> very sort of articulate, professional, well balanced sort of guy. I'd I'd pick your battles somewhere else. But that's kind of what I want to talk about, is like the picking your battles thing. Because clearly with Legion, like their whole brand is us versus them, right? And I don't know anything. That's why I asked the question in the first place. It was like, can you criticize Legion? Thinking, I thought they had this massive following and it was like just them and then this tiny little other sort of group of people. Clearly the comments show that's not the case, mm-hmm. that there are a lot of people that will not necessarily just agree with what Justin was saying against Jeff, but just generally sort of Legion. So my only take on this, and this is like so, this has to be personal from me, from my end, and that's from someone who has run a team, run a Conti team that was domestically around the place, that kind of thing. The us versus them mentality is real. It happens and, you know, I'm not saying we're on any level to what that was, but it really develops. It develops not only against the people that you're racing against, which probably it should be, but you start like this full us versus them against like the governing bodies i can tell you that was the case for me uh it starts with um your sponsors it becomes an us versus them with them when they start stuffing you around and what's worse is it becomes like an us versus them a little bit with your own riders and the whole frigging climate is just toxic it's nasty and yeah personally it's taken me a long time to get away from that and that whole toxicity of it. So the only reason I say that is you look through those comments, what he was saying was clearly aggressive and over the top, but it kind of just buys in more into this thing of everyone hates us, we'll fight against you type thing. And I, again, very, very tiny sample of what I found towards the end of our team. I kind of got a little bit of that of just – you know, if someone said anything, if someone said anything against Nero, I would have been like, you, like, it could have just been like positive criticism. I don't know. I'm not trying to defend him, but I'm just saying that that's a mindset that's kind of easy to happen because no one, yeah, like it's a pretty, yeah, domestic bike racing, whatever. You got anything? I just kind of wanted to say that. I've got plenty to say. I just don't know if I can be bothered. I just don't, you're racing crits. I just, even bringing it up again, I just, it's, it's not that – it's almost giving too much credit to the whole thing. So I don't know. It's just – Yeah, fair enough. I just let go. I can't yep. – I don't have the energy. <laughs> fair enough. All right. Cool, cool. 
Okay, thanks so much for watching this week. If you can do us one favor watching this episode, it is to send this episode or any of our episodes on to one mate who is maybe not on YouTube. That would be a big, big help. All right, guys, we will see you next week. Jesse Coyle. See you then. See ya. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.